Charles, how are we doing? Doing good, man. We're into it. Yes, we are. On the podcast, first podcast together. First podcast together, bro. Very interesting. Not our first conversation. Definitely not. I suppose um, just for anyone who's listening, it'd be good to just maybe explain who you are, what you're doing. Mm. A bit about you. Okay. All right. So my name's Charles. Charles Missy. I am a shadow work facilitator, uh, which is just a fancy way to describe a form of therapist. Um, I've been doing this for the last few years now. started uh, just at the time when COVID hit. Um, at that time before that, I was a holistic health coach, helping people with their physical body, nutrition, sleep, training. I uh, was always been very passionate about helping people. And I think just at the beginning of COVID, that's when I decided to take it a bit deeper because I was going deep within myself at the time and started noticing some pretty profound changes within me and my life. And I just uh, valued it a lot and realized that this type of work would be highly valuable for everyone. Um, And, you know, at the same time with my clients at that time, I was noticing that they were struggling with a lot of different things that the current tools that I was using to guide them through just wasn't hitting the nail on the head. Uh, it was you know, providing results and working, but there was still more there uh, on a much deeper level. And I decided to start working with them, those that were open to it. And then I then started to become full-time doing what I'm doing now. Uh, before that, I'd been a personal trainer. I was doing that for a fair few years. And I got into personal training um, because that was my entry into doing something positive for other people and for the world and it was what got me out of my own dark places that I was struggling to uh, get out of at that time and those dark places were um, being highly isolated in my room for up to like 16 hours a day, depressed, anxious, struggling with anger, just not healthy, you know, failed at sports, failed at school, failed at everything that was the only, there was only like a couple of things that I was like somewhat reasonably like okay at from my perspective at the time, like, you know, drawing and and um, things like that or just like, you know, being highly creative and things like that. So, um, yeah, that was my kind of way to just step into something that I really enjoyed and it all started because I started training myself and getting fit and healthy myself and that started with boxing and, you know, weights training and stuff like that and I got into that to get me off the streets Uh, I used to hang out on the streets a lot and got into a few uh, fights and just violent altercations and and going through those experiences just reinforced my own sense of unworthiness that I had at the time because there was one in particular that led to me and a friend getting brutally um, bashed and knocked out on the street by a larger group of individuals that were much bigger and stronger than us and that created a sense of like insecurity within me and that was reinforced because of the insecurity that I already had about myself uh, because I grew up in a you know, home with a single mother, four kids, housing commission, you know, very low sh- social economic status in, you know, for the equivalent in Australia. Um, I was the man of the house, so there was lots of over-responsibility that I had on myself at the time to be the protector and be the one that had to you know, defend the family and, and, and get us out of this shitty situation that we were in and 
it was just like you know me going through those experiences on the streets and it was just like oh fuck you know if i can't defend myself against these guys how am i going to defend my family there's like i can deal with myself getting bashed but i cannot deal with like my family getting you know something like these are the stories that i would be creating as a motivation strategy to just push me forward and you know what happens if you know my house gets robbed and you know my house did get robbed before that when i was a lot younger and that was um you know you feel really helpless and you know you're seeing how you your mother's, you know, really upset and your sisters are there really stressed out over what's going on. So I think, you know, that that's the kind of chain of events, how it all occurred. And even deeper than that was in childhood, you know, my parents separated when I was eight years old and uh, that f- um, created a huge wound of loneliness from being disconnected from my father at that point. And that reinforced the wound that was already there because of being disconnected with him before that because he was always working and not really spending much time with me. And as a child, you take all that stuff personally and you're like, where is he? If he's not here, that must mean that there's something wrong with me. So down the train, uh, you know, this, these wounds that I experienced in childhood contributed to a lot of things that were negative, negatively impacting my life as an adult. And this type of work that I'm doing now, shadow work, is what created the links for me and the understanding and the awareness and the compassion and the love towards it all and ultimately the ability to change what it all means to me about me rather than you know uh, external experiences being labelled and attached to my sense of identity or worth, uh, which is what I was doing before. And they contributed to like pornog- pornography addiction, sex worker addiction later on in life, uh, struggling to be vulnerable in intimate relationships as well. Uh, I was struggling intimately as well. Um, there was a lot of fear around that for me. Um, a lot of scarcity with like money and work and things like that. Um, and yeah, those are the the central like surface layer manifestations that I experienced like throughout my twenties. And then um, when COVID hit, it all just kind of resurfaced again. You know, business was affected. I was experiencing like certain uh, uh, situations with like my uh, you know personal life with family and things like that, and it all just kind of get got to a point where like okay, I'm ready to go deeper and find out what's going on. And you know, as confronting as it is, and it is probably one of the most challenging things that you'll do. It's just so fucking rewarding, rewarding. Like it's so liberating. Like <laughs> I can't like. I, I have such a I feel like I have such a healthy relationship with doing this deep work now that it's just like what you don't do it like <laughs> it's just so normal for me now and it's like it's th- there isn't as much like resistance and fear around it as what it used to be and I think that's just because of the social conditioning that we all you know we're born and entered this world in where you know talking is weak and showing these emotions means you're a bitch and you know especially as a man like and um you know just identifying yourself with however you are you know this is just who i am i'm never going to change like you know we always hear people saying things like that um so yeah i think now i've just really believe how uh, much we can change and just understanding more and more about the process in doing so and applying that to myself each time so that's where i am now that's so true. So that's like probably like um, it's like me. I never realized like this kind of work until I met you. I didn't work with you for like about five months now, and like even like now we've kind of only just kind of got started. It's crazy. Like we spent like five months working with me relationships, and then we got that part sorted out. Then I need to work on myself. But it's crazy when 
like me working with you it's brought like a lot of realization in terms of my childhood and it's crazy like how one thing from when you're young can affect like later on in life isn't it oh yeah i hear you. it's just because like when you're young you're just absorbing everything around you like you know you, you when you're in your mother's womb your brain is like the size of a fucking tic tac and then by the time you're seven years old the size of a football and then within that time you've just taken in like everything around you like not just everything that you've heard, but everything that you've seen, everything that you've felt, you know, everything that your senses could pick up. And then later on as an adult, you're just struggling with all these things and that even though in your logical mind, you're like, you know, why the fuck am I struggling with this? It doesn't make any logical sense. But from the sense of like your subconscious self or these old parts of you that first formulated these beliefs, it makes perfect fucking sense why you're operating in that way. And until you understand why, um, these surface layer manifested, you know, behaviors uh, are happening, and the underlying dynamics behind them. You just continue to judge yourself for it and be like, you know, ridiculous. Why is this happening? And that, from my perspective, incurs a sense of suffering within our lives if we don't understand what's going on. But we're aware that it's not serving us. You know, we we'll label it as like self-sabotaging ourselves. We formulate a negative relationship with ourselves. We don't trust ourselves. And it's really because there's these deeper, darker parts of us that are suppressed and rejected because we're not understanding them uh, that are working in the background, contributing these outcomes for us, and we don't know why. So the shadow work is really going into those unconscious parts of you, the parts of you that you're not conscious of and becoming conscious of them. Like... For example, you may have a very harsh, critical, judgmental, cold part of you. And then all you know now is on the surface of your life, you just feel really stressed sometimes and feel really tense. Maybe you don't know where it's coming from. You're just in a situation where it's like, why the fuck do I feel this way? I shouldn't be feeling this way. I should be confident right now. Like, you know, but it's because, you know, there's a part of your shadow there that steps in and judges the fuck out of you and criticizes you and becomes really cold and, you know, and essentially the reason why they're doing that is to motivate you to change, to be better. And all you feel is the resistance to do something or you feel some kind of stress in your life and then you judge yourself for that so you're not understanding what that cold, rational, uh, judgmental part of you is attempting to achieve. And if you don't understand that, well, then there's just going to be, uh, uh, again, further judgment, no compassion and uh, lack of understanding and sense of like you're feeling just stuck and trapped in this experience and just came to mind there's even like for me the biggest thing i realized even when i look at let's say me with let's say past relationships where let you know let's say i may have cheated in the past and people and all that all that kind of stuff and you know i carry that guilt around for so so long and then there's only it's only recently after doing work with you that i realized you know for me like it's like the reason why i was let's say cheating is because the people i was dating i was with the wrong people because of let's say when i was you know younger what i didn't get the love or affection from my parents so then i was drawn to these these women who had the same traits so i'd always go back to it but then what i realized is this is you know only actually this week probably yesterday i think in the men's group i realized that you know in the past when i've cheated it's because you know let's say my my granny used to give me, you know, effects. She used to give me, like, you know, physical touch. She used to say, you're a good lad. You know, give me that, like, that love I did, I, I deserved. Mm-hmm. Not deserved, but I always wanted. Because I never got it from my parents. And it's not saying my parents are bad, but I just never got it. So, you know, the women I used to date, you know, they were 
they were didn't show affection or love or that kind of stuff. So I was always drawn back to it. But then when I was younger, you know, I used to long for my granny's attention. Why why me and my granny are so close now? Because we have that bond. Mm. So what I've realized that, you know, in the past if I've cheated, and it's, it's no excuse for cheating, but it's because then I was I cheat on someone who, you know, would have physical touch and, and words of affirmation. And I've kind of linked back that I've I done that there because it used to make me feel safe and secure. It used to bring back to my granny, you know, giving me that physical, you know, touch and attention. And again, it's not it's not me saying, oh, it's an excuse for cheating, but now it's like I'm able to kind of put these dots and, and link it up. What do you think is your views on that, would you say, is? Uh, on cheating or just in... Well, just in general, like that kind of realisation I had in terms of... Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll share my perspective on that because I remember we had heaps of sessions on that and <laughs> guided you and that was very... um. Yeah, we had some pretty powerful <laughs> sessions with that topic. So I do remember when you came in, you were uh, very—you did feel guilty because you were cheating on past partners and things like that. And it was a pattern that you did want to uh, break away from and you didn't want to do anymore, but you just didn't know why you did it. You, you would bring up some things like, oh, maybe because I don't feel like I'm good enough or something like that. But the essentially the dots and the, the deeper reasons why I weren't uh, uncovered and from guiding you through that, you know, a lot of the things you're saying, yeah, it's spot on with what I um, uh, gathered from you. But it's also from from certain things I noticed is that you did not believe that you were worthy enough to be connected and essentially be in some type of bond with someone that you found attractive. And now when I say attractive, I mean physically, emotionally, mentally, like the whole spectrum of how we can be energetically attracted to someone. So there was that belief there. That would create resistance for you to approach certain women or connect with certain women that you did find, you know, attractive on either one of those spectrums or at least, you know, let's say physical is generally the first one that we tend to be attracted with people by and then we use that as like the first step to then go into, okay, am I emotionally attracted to this person? Am I mentally attracted to this person? But you wouldn't you would create resistance for you in doing so because there was this fear that you just get rejected because you're not good enough and you're not good enough to get these women. So what then would happen was you would then go for women that you weren't physically attracted to because you believe that you were good enough to be with them. And in doing so, you would be in this relationship with these women that uh you um, would then become overly responsible for trying to change them to fit your values, to fit what you found attractive. But this person wasn't that. So then the relationship became that type of, uh, um, you know, a connection where you were attempting to change who they were because you weren't already, uh, you know, accepting of who they were to begin with. And that's not to say, and, and I remember there was a bit of judgment from you because it's like, oh, but, you know, looks doesn't really matter. Like, why do I have to... Like, you did feel guilty that you were doing that when it was just like actually getting you to have a better relationship with that and just be like, it's okay. Like, I don't have to find these people attractive. Like, it's okay that, you know, these I'm not attracted to these people. Like, it's, it's okay to have these parts of us that are, you know, somewhat quote-unquote shallow where we would rather be with someone that we are more physically attracted to that's okay yeah and that doesn't mean that that's all that it is but it's a part and it's fucking all right that that's there i from like for me i don't think i could 
be in a relationship with someone that I'm not physically attracted to. I don't, I don't think that, and I'm okay with that, and I'm, I'm, I'm all right with that. So that was a big thing that we had to break through as well. And uh, essentially what would happen is you would be in this relationship with someone that you're not attracted to, but then you would struggle to actually confront them and speak your truth to them and say that to them. So what you would do is you would drag it on. And this is all subconsciously, by the way. You weren't consciously doing this, but subconsciously, this is all the, you know, the underlying dynamics of the shadow self or these undesirable parts of us that you, know, you were willing to confront and face and be honest about. So credit to you for doing that. And then, you know, essentially the relationship would drag out and your way of disconnecting from the relationship to get yourself out of it would be to start, you know, uh, performing behaviors that would get them to break off from you. So you didn't have to do it because you didn't want to do it because you didn't want to upset them. Because if you upset them, if you incurred some type of emotional response within them, they would perceive you as a bad person. But ultimately it was you that would perceive yourself as a bad person. If you're a bad person, that would link into that wound of being unworthy and not good enough so then that would lead into you cheating on them and things like that and because essentially you know you were still craving that deep connection from someone because you weren't getting it there which caused you to be curious and 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 go outside to seek that and this was all a learned pattern from what you received from when you were young because your parents were doing the same thing you know you you mentioned that you know your father was cheating on your mom, and you would hear that a lot. And I, I think it's vice versa as well. Is that correct? Mm. Yeah. So it was something that you learned, and essentially, potentially the same pattern that they were running themselves that you then um, continued. Yeah, it's 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 mad. It's it's and even like looking back now, it's yeah, it's been such a journey. And even like I think last week, I was, I was in a situation where you know I was kind of with dating this kind of person and. You know, I was seeing all these traits and it's kind of, you know, I was this good looking girl and I was there just because it was what I was familiar to. And like I was thinking, they say I was dating her for like four weeks. And, um, you know, it was, I kept on, even though there was no, everything that was, it was just what I used to. I was like, you know, I've kind of went past this. I found a girl I'm attracted to, but then she had all these traits like that. You know, no physical touch and no words of affirmation. Just everything that I, I went for in the past. And I knew that, you know, everything I'd done for that person, like, I wasn't good enough and it wasn't this and that. And looking back at that, like, that used to be me in the past. Like, I would always, I would always, you know, date someone and then I'd always, like, nitpick and I'd always, you know, try find flaws here and there and put people down. Like, not not intentionally, but, like, subconsciously, i put them down. And what I realized is I was doing that because, you know, I was trying to make them feel better with themselves and make me feel better. Right. And it made me it made me feel good about myself because I'm in control. And one thing I realized is that, you know, everything in my past is like, I've, I've always needed someone that wants someone. And that's something that's like, you know, now I'm in a situation where I don't, I always needed someone to fill a void. And I, f- from my perspective, I feel like so many people are, you know, they're, they're with people, but they need someone in their life. And I done a podcast in this last week and, you know, I was saying from my view was like that. When, Someone like, you're with someone and someone is constantly putting you down, trying to find flaws, nitpicking, you know, you're never good enough. Everything you do is, is you're never good enough for that person. What I find is that it's not your, it's not you. It's that person that's got insecurities in their own self and they've got stuff going on that they're trying to, you know, put them, put you down lower to make themselves feel better so they can be feel good about themselves. And that I used to do that the whole time. Like, no matter what any ex-partner has done, they were never good enough. They could... They could be the best in the world, but I'd always try to find flaws. Like flaws, whether it be, you know, 
body images or personality or the job and always try to find flaws and you know it's a shit place to be but now that I've like done a lot of work on it I'm nowhere near where I want to be but I've done so much work on myself that I realized that it was me that's the issue you know I was putting other people down to make myself feel better and since I've had the realization like that girl I was dating let's say last week I've kind of realized that she was doing that to me mm. and I'm okay with that and you know I'm that I'm not judging her or anyone for doing that but like because you know she had to go through her own journey and for me it's just, it's just now i can kind of realize i can see in situations now like when you know you often hear people online saying you know it's um and i used to say this too it's like oh if someone gives you abuse like it's not you it's them and i never i feel like so much people know that same but they don't actually understand it yeah and shit i remember like last year even like you know someone gave me a negative comment and i'd say you know this isn't on me it's on it's on them I never truly understood it. Mm. And now after being in the situation with that girl I was kind of seeing them dating, it's like, fuck, like that's that's what it actually means. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like some people are in that situation where they're with someone and doing the same, but then, you know, they don't know how to kind of break that vicious cycle. Yeah, I hear you, bro. And it, it, just what you said there, like, you know, you knew the saying, but you didn't really understand it. And I think you're only going to understand it until you understand it about yourself. Once you see it in yourself, that's when you fucking get it. You're like, what? What? I was doing that. Like, I was doing that subconsciously with it. You know, I was, oh my God. Like, cause it's easy to read these quotes and be like, yeah, you know, if someone says something bad about me, it's got nothing to do with me. And, you know, it's a great way to just essentially self-soothe yourself in that moment, make yourself feel temporarily better about the situation. But until you really understand it, it's not really going to give you what it's giving you now. Because when some, for example, you know, you were in this, um, you, know, you were dating this person and you were noticing nitpicking you and, you know, criticizing you or, you know, putting you down and stuff like that. You were receiving it and you knew what was going on. You're there going, fuck, I know what's going on there. And I actually know that what's going on within her because I have been there and i've seen that within myself and is the big thing because when we're doing that work and you were like uh you know coming to these realizations the next step after the realization was to give those parts of you love and compassion and understanding and be like i under because you were judging yourself you it all came from essentially how you were criticizing and judging and how harsh you were on yourself and you were projecting that out onto others right so for you to uh, interrupt the pattern of you projecting that onto others, you had to interrupt how you were doing it to yourself first, right? So we, you did that and we did that in these sessions and you were having these huge breakthroughs where you were saying to yourself, it's like, it's okay, I understand why you're judging yourself right now, I get it, you're using this as a way to try and gain control because you don't feel like you're in control right now because if you're not in control, that makes you feel unsafe and if you're unsafe, that makes you feel lonely and if you're lonely, that makes you feel unworthy and that feels fucking sad. And I get how you've created this adaptation right now as a way to gain control so that you have power and you feel worthy and safe in that moment. I understand what you're doing. That part of you who's doing that receives that and goes, oh my God, this person's seeing me. This person's hearing me. This person's understanding me. I feel connected with this person. Self-soothing, regulates the nervous system. It's nice receiving that compassion. Next step, what you gave to yourself in that moment is truth. But the truth is, this is reframing the perspective. This is you know, imprinting a new belief in your subconscious mind, something that you 
are, uh, you know, you've got to practice. When you get out there in the outside world and you're in a dating situation, you're in this situation, any situation where you notice that part of you wants to go and be like, I'm going to fucking put you down. This is something that you repeat and replace. All right? And then that was in that moment, you know, along the lines of, you know, you are safe, you are worthy, you know, you don't need to control this person right now. Like, um, you know, you are good enough. You are loved. I love you. All right? Self-soothing, new belief in that moment there, the desire and the need to put other people down to gain control to give you a sense of safety isn't needed because you've already given yourself what you need via a different route, different pattern. That's what you did. So you gave yourself compassion with that and understanding and acceptance and all that fucking love. So now when other people do it to you, you can give them the same. You can look at them and be like, I understand why she's doing it. I get it. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't exactly know what happened in her childhood, but I can see the adaptation. I can see the surface layer pattern. I get it. I've been there, and I see it. And I'm not seeing it, understanding it, and accepting it because it's okay that it's happening in front of me, and it's okay that it continues to happen. But I understand it in a in a way that's going to allow me to be at peace with it. And that will allow me to now express myself, speak my truth, set a boundary, disconnect, or communicate how I'm feeling in a way in order to navigate it, to resolve this, to prevent it from it continuing to happen. If they are aligned with that and they want to go on that journey and they want to uh, you know, take responsibility for it, it's going to come from a place of love and compassion and acceptance, not projection. Not like, don't fucking talk like that to me. And that's what people do. And then people receive that. And that feeds into it again. Because then when they receive that, they lose a sense of power. They feel unsafe, unworthy. And then how do they gain that power back again? Projecting it back onto you so that they gain power back. And people stay in these fucking patterns forever. So true. And I think relationships is, fuck, I think relationships is such a bit area. Like it's something that, like, like even if I look at me for like, you know, let's say I work, work with women, weight loss, fat loss. And we talking to Sean about this yesterday and, you know, everything that we do as humans, like, it's all built really around, relationship is the foundation, like, that's like the, we all, like, we want to lose weight or lose fat, you know, we want to feel sexier for ourselves, but also we want to feel sexier for the opposite sex, and relationships is, again, it's an area that, that, that it's such a hard area, because, like, our whole life's built around, no, let's say, work relationships, but ideally, your whole life is built around, like, you know, companionship, you know, relationships, but yeah, it's an area that probably, like, so many people in the world struggle with, like even if I look at like if I didn't, you know, if I didn't see you, I wouldn't have like I wouldn't I'd be still in that same pattern like bang 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 and I'd be always striving for this perfect person, the perfect person. But then for me, like it's, I'm able to realize that you know when you keep on chasing something like it, it's not a very healthy way to be. And I feel like so many people are in relationships now, and you know you say like the nitpick and the kind of the fight and argue. And what I realize in relationships is that you know you shouldn't really argue you should be able to have like you know disputes discussions and one thing that um we Sean I said yes is that people like in relationship people should be like problem solving I like Jesus and I was talking to a guy yesterday and my view is like when if you have a relationship with two people let's say you're driving along the road you know this is like dating apps like everyone in dating apps just seems to swipe 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 because let's say two people on a dating app to match they're driving along in the car and then let's say there's a big hole there's a hole in front of you and the two people stop, they have to get out of the car and have to, you know, you have a choice. And let's say, like, that hole in the road is, like, you know, a niggle. It's like, oh, you, you left the toilet seat open or you didn't flush the toilet. Let's say that's the, that's the roadblock. Like, nowadays, what people do is, like, go out of the car, 
And rather than two people like filling the hole and driving the car on, like they will get into another car, like swipe again. They won't like solve the problem. And for me, what I've kind of realized that when you're in a relationship, is like, you know, it's really like driving a car along the road. You're always going to have holes in the road. But when you come to the hole, like two people have to get out of the car, fill the hole together and then drive over and keep on going. But there's going to be another hole up the road. You know, so there's always going to be holes along the road. And it's about like, let's say if there's a hole in the road and I get and I fill the hole and then the, my partner just sits in the car. Like you're not really working as a team. So if you're able to get out, fill the hole together as a team and then drive on forward, like that's, that's, you're growing together because there's always going to be holes in the road. Mm. But I feel nowadays it's so much easier for people to see the hole and say, ah, fuck it. You know, and there's, they, they, they don't fill the hole. They just kind of go and turn the car around, get in the car with someone else and drive another direction and to find a hole again. And rather than like trying to fix this, fill the hole in, they keep on just swiping, they keep on trying to, you know, I'm better than this. I don't need to fill this hole. You know, I'm going to find somewhere where there's no holes. But like the road always, is, the, the, the road always has holes. Like that's what I've learned, there's always going to be holes. And that hole isn't a bad thing. You know, it's just like you have to fill the hole together and drive through the hole. Not like saying, fuck it, you know, I'm going to go past. And yeah, I think like, um, in terms of like, there's always going to be holes in the road. And like nowadays, it's so easy for people to see the hole and say, fuck this, I deserve better than this. You know, I'm not filling this hole. Like, why is the hole in the road? And people think that in the relationships that it's a perfect road. There's like daisies and the sunflowers and it's happy to lie. But I've learned that there's always going to be holes in the road. So if you two can work, like solve the problem, get out of the car, fill the hole, get back in the car and drive on like you're growing together. Mm. But then when you see the hole, you give up and say, I'm going to swipe again because Paul, you know, I don't like you, you're your dickhead or whatever. And the swipe and they just keep on swiping, trying to get this perfect you know, life, and I think like that's the a huge area that, that that's my like take on the whole relationship and how like for me. Mm, yeah, yeah, and I think um, yeah, it's a good analogy, and I think the reason why it can be quite um challenging, um, you know, in in response to like that analogy is that sometimes you know, you, you get out of the car and you go to the hole, and sometimes it's it's a hole that's got nothing to do with one of the people, but it's got something to do with the other partner. And then it's it's about how do we navigate this hole that may be as a result of something that's got to do with you and your past and your programming, your childhood, and how in this moment you feel unsafe or insecure and you feel like your loved your your needs aren't being met. Um, you know, and, and that could mean you know it's the other person may struggle to know how to navigate that, like how to just support them through that while they are responsible for that and work through that. Or is it a whole way, it's both people that need to come together and be responsible and put in that work together. Um, and that is challenging because sometimes you go to these holes and you go to communicate. And communication is can be quite challenging for a lot of people because we just repeat the type of communication uh, methods that we saw growing up. And if these communication methods involved, uh, you know, ignoring or, you know, uh, avoiding or freezing up or, you know, high project, like big emotional outbursts or, um, you know, your subtle forms of manipulation and things like that, it can be very hard to, to navigate these conversations that are in response to resolving somewhat simple, basic, you know, issues in the relationship that may be triggered by you know someone left a bowl out and they didn't wash it or the toilet seat and things like that and 
really it is got to do with all those li- little things but it always goes back into deeper deeper uh, issues like i'm working with a client now who's um you know working on uh reconnecting with his wife and you know there's a lot of disconnection there at the moment now and um really it's all getting triggered just because you know he's leaving things around the house and she's being verbally abusive to him about that and he's getting triggered about that and that makes him want to avoid her and there's just no communication there and it's really just starting back from square one again like just having uh you know uh conversations with each other where it's just like setting setting their intentions behind and or just acknowledging things like you know acknowledging like hey like one thing i'm working on with myself right now is communication because i understand how important it is and i value that and i think that it's going to be better for our you know relationship and then starting to have these challenging conversations and you know you may have it all rehearsed in your head and you get there to like you know, fix up the hole or whatever it is in the road but then you get there and there's fucking mud going this way and there's you're missing tools and you know you both fucking scream at each other and you get in there and you kind of patch it up a little bit it's a bit of a shit job you get back in the car you're driving and then you're like judging yourself like what the fuck was that like i just that was fucking shit you know it's also letting go of that because attempting to be perfect of how we navigate these things is unrealistic as well and that may be just getting in the way of us just working on developing these skills that we didn't get taught you know it's like teaching a you know it's like it's essentially learning a completely new language Mm. communicating effectively is like learning a completely new fucking language and and for you know, both people that are both speaking, you know, one person speaking in fucking Spanish, the other person speaking in Chinese, it's essentially they both have to now l- both learn together how to speak English so that they can communicate with each other. And there's certain words they're going to get wrong and there's going to be miscommunication involved and some people are going to perceive things as something different because there may be some words in Chinese that mean something different in, you know, in fucking Spanish. And then you say one word and they're like, fuck, you offended me with that. Like, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. It actually means something different in my language. Like, and it does take, um, you know, hard fucking work getting there. And it takes, you know, just like you've done over the last five months, stepping in here and doing this work on yourself and developing yourself the same way you go to the gym and you work on your body and develop your body, become more resilient and, uh, you know, more agile, more flexible, whatever it is. The same thing with your mind, you know, you come in here to develop your fucking mind so that it's coming more resilient, more agile and more flexible so that whenever, whatever's popping up for you, you're able to adapt to it and process things much more effectively so that when you're getting into something like a challenging conversation with a partner, someone that you do have an emotional bond with where it can be highly triggering, which may be bringing up stuff for you from your childhood and your past, you're going to be able to navigate it more effectively than what you were before. Just takes time, isn't it? Like, the big thing for me is, like, I said to my clients that, you know, if you've felt a certain way for the last five, six, seven years, you're not going to fix in a four-week quick fix or a six-week shred plan or a 12-week shred plan. And for me, like, you know, it's if I've felt, if I've felt this way for, like, 32 years, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna fix that in, like, three or four sessions. I think when we come to, like, you know, mental health and even everything, like, just everything, just no one wants to, like, take time. Everyone wants, like, to quit, they want to... The quick fix, they want to get the four-week shred plan, they want to get the perfect person, they want to have a relationship that, you know, is flawless, that, you know, it's it's going to be so smooth, or they want the guy with the six-pack, or they want the, you know, the big money, and no one, like, wants to, like, you know, do the work and, like, work on it. It's like what we do, like, you know, I come in here, it's like, oh, a few sessions will be fine, like, two, three or four sessions, I'm going to be a new man, and five months later, it's like, we've just kind of, we've just kind of got into relationships, but even, like, now, it's like, 
we've done five months relationships where it's like it's still there because like a good example is let's say you know a recent experience with a you know in a, a female is that you know a bit, bit younger than me you know and you know i found myself then not young like you know 23 or 24 i found myself like you know kind of little old patterns like you know oh you know maybe she's not mature enough or maybe you know i've done all this work on myself maybe you know she's not good enough for me and there's only yesterday i was like jesus and I, I was able to stop myself and say mm, paul this is this is the patterns like so in that instant like you know attractive girl all the rest but then i was still trying to like kind of trying to uh trying to find flaws like you know oh maybe she's too young maybe she's um she's not mature enough and th that's just me telling myself you know that that story to kind of again put myself a little bit higher and kind of and it's it's crazy how, how like that pattern would am i able to recognize now but it's still it's still it's only we only had was like an hour ago i said I, I come in here and i said jesus you know i think she's um not mature enough i was like actually that's that's not false that's me telling myself that story yeah yeah <laughs> and i think the the reason why um people are you know in such a rush to you know get the quick fix and get zero to 100 straight away i th i believe it's because people are just desperate to feel love because you know getting the the body or you know fixing your your mind and healing your trauma or getting the perfect partner it's really just all surface layer manifestations of how we interpret feeling worthy and loved and safe and secure deep down at the core and you know when people are experiencing a life where there's an absence of that well then there's just going to be in like a, such a huge desperation to uh, achieve it in whatever shape or you know way or form and you know without them even knowing it you know and and a lot of like let's say marketing you know and advertising and things like that capitalizes on it like you create demand for products that people believe that they need in order to feel in that moment when they receive it, they feel worthy and love and accepted and, you know, safe and secure. And really all of those things that I just said, it all just gets interpreted in, in, that, in that moment, just having a sense of peace, you know, a sense of presence or like that short-term temporary hit of, of something like, you know, it just makes me feel good. Like, well, yeah, feeling good because you feel accepted, feeling good because you feel worthy, feeling good. Like you just feel good for no reason. You feel good because of something deeper there that's telling you why you should feel good. So that's why there's such a rush to get to the finish line. And <clears throat> I think... Um, you know, the more people can just accept that the negative side of life is a part of the human experience, the less there's going to be such a rush to get this finish line to be in this perpetual state of love and presence. And I am always worthy in every single moment at every time because everything in my whole checklist is fucking ticked off. Like, if we can just let go of that and just accept that there is this other part of life and it's not bad. But it's just a bit darker and a bit gloomy and a bit more negative, the same way that nature expresses itself in that way, just like it's fucking raining outside now, it's windy, it's miserable and cloudy. And, you know, it's the same thing that happens within us. And the more we can just accept that, the more that we can go through these up and down waves that are a part of life with a better perspective rather than trying to be at this upstage all the time. That's so true. And I think... One thing I've kind of, again, maybe I'm, I'm wrong, but a lot of people that I speak to, like, a lot of people do, like, and this is probably me as well in that situation, where people do, you know, do a little bit of work on themselves. and But then what I found for me is, like, there's parts of me who's done all this work, and you kind of then, 
And it's probably something that we'll we'll work on like over the next like, few months. But mm. it's more so than when you do. And I've I've noticed other people too when people do, you know, they might do a few sessions or do do some work, and then the kind of it's like a lot of people then feel like, oh, you know, I've done this work now, I'm so much better, so I deserve yeah. to be with someone who has done the work. And this is this is me like, again, this real life like, you know, today like you know. Oh, I've done all this work, you know, six months or eight months, I've done this, this, this. I should be with someone who has done the work. And then mm. it comes back to then probably people who think, well, I go to gym, you know, I deserve someone to go to the gym. And I suppose that's something I've seen more. Like, a lot of people are getting more in tune with, like, their emotions and stuff. But then people then are probably going down this path of, like, I've done all this work. I can't be with you or be friends with you because you haven't done this, this work. And even, like, there's that statement there, you know, if you hang around with, with five people, you're going to be the average of that five person. And I kind of agree with that to some extent, but then I feel like that, again, come back to, you know, people kind of like just always having that deserving like level. What do you think about that? Like, uh, so just so I'm hearing the question correctly, what do I think about people that may not be uh, aligned with certain people that aren't on the same like level of, from their perspective because they haven't done the work like they have done the work. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. And this is in the context of like relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get you. So I think, you know, getting into this this work and this work can be interpreted interpreted in so many different ways. You know, some people go on a fucking yoga, Vipassana, a fucking retreat out in the mountains of India and they're like, I have been to India and done this or, you know, some people have read, you know, 20 fucking self-help books, some people have done this therapy, some people have done psychedelic journeys and they're like, I saw, I, I killed my ego. Like, you know, there's all these different um, ways that essentially we can form this persona, this personified self, uh, which is just another way that we make ourselves feel better about ourselves because of whatever bit of information that we're gathering in the form of, I have done this work or, you know, I'm an enlightened meditation teacher. And, and you know, I, I think, look, we are going to have a persona and that's okay that that's there. And I think no matter what industry we get into, whether you're into fitness or, you know, meditation, you're some fucking guru or, you know, fitness expert with a six-pack abs, like there's going to be an element of us that, you know, we require a persona, something that we use as a sense of, you know, who we are to navigate and guide us through life. And I think as long as it serves us, it's okay. I also understand that, you know, if that's there, but you don't, you're unaware of how to spot that out or navigate through it and catch it, then it can be highly detrimental. It can close you off to a lot of different things. Like I'm in a relationship now and the person I'm in a relationship with, you know, hasn't done as much work as me and you know i know that there if i decided to feed into it there's a part of me that could observe that and be like oh you know i should be with someone more spiritual or someone like this just like and then i just you know hear that and i'm like it's okay bro i know why you're there like you know that's cute that's a nice little cute little statement there but in reality you know what i'm looking for has got nothing to do with the surface there you know obviously like the physical attraction component is important but it's really deeper like do i feel heard by this person do i feel seen by this person do i feel loved by this person uh can i communicate with this person i think it doesn't matter what how much fucking work you've done on yourself like you know you could be you could you could start dating someone who's been therapy fucking 10 years and got all these qualifications and you could be sitting down with them going like fucking struggling to connect with this person right now and that's happened with me a lot too you know, because I'm in this industry now and, you know, um, 
taking up, you know, quite like a masculine figure in this type of world, you know, of spirituality where it may seem like there is a bit of an absence of that now and, you know, at the drums and I've gone to lots of different retreats and, you know, spiritual type festivals and I have met, you know, many different women at these events and, um, you know, a lot of them that are embodying and it's okay that they are embodying that like spiritual type persona and I do it to a degree as well. But I noticed that just because they're spiritual and because they've done this meditation and just because they've, you know, they cry regularly and release their emotions or whatever it is, it doesn't mean that I'm going to connect with them because there's a lot of them that I'm there and I'm like, I don't feel uh, a connection with you uh, at all. So I think, um, yeah, and I think it can be the same way like for other people, like uh, th there may be resistance for like some people to date someone who has that type of spiritual persona because they're like, oh, I can't relate to this person. When really it's just like a persona that we create for ourselves, like a, and it's not really who we are. And, um, you know, I think the, the purpose of the relationship is to go deeper and more vulnerable to really uh, understand and uncover who we really are deeper at the core. And a lot of that is, you know, it's just really got nothing to do with these you know, practices or certain beliefs that we have. It's it's much deeper and more uh, raw and authentic than that. And um, that's why now I think, you know, my current girlfriend, I introduced her to my family and they were all a bit shocked. They're like, oh, we were expecting some girl with hairy armpits to come over here and fucking walks barefoot everywhere and doesn't take showers and shit. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, cool, thanks. <laughs> Oh, that's um, it's yeah, it's it's, it's a good it's a good answer because I suppose so many people are like feel that way, and I suppose another another injury topic is probably alcohol too. Like I feel like alcohol is <coughs> such a like I don't really drink well. I say I don't drink much, but then last night I got very drunk, and the only reason I got really like had a few beers last night, and again I don't really drink too much, but you know had a few beers last night and with some friend watching the the rugby game, and um, found myself then went in, went to a bar and. On the hero VCs and found myself then like telling myself I need to get really really drunk here in order to talk to some this this certain girl and it was crazy because I didn't end up talking to the girl but I just kept on getting like double vodkas double vodkas you know trying to get as drunk as I possibly could so I could have the confidence to speak to this girl and like so many people do I like I don't know why and it's it's not it's not not that's a good or bad thing but I find that for me like you know last night was a you know, I still got up this morning and still done my routine, all the rest, but I was still using alcohol in the wrong way. I wasn't like, you know, had had a few beers with my friend, it was good, rugby game, it was a, a chill, it was enjoyable. Then went out to the pub then and kind of, I then started, I said, oh, I need alcohol to get drunk as possible, as quick as possible so I can have a good time. And I found myself then using alcohol like to, you know, as a suppressant to try to feel a certain way and, you know, I feel good today like I'm not really hung over like you know got sick three times last night of course um, which is horrific I think I went from I went from um, Bondi to King's Cross I got kicked out of the taxi because I was going to get sick then I got a taxi from King's Cross back to Bondi then I got a, another taxi from Bondi halfway to King's Cross and then I had to get from King's Cross back to my house so I looked at my Uber this morning like I had I think I had like four Ubers last night I don't remember any of it um, which is nuts but besides that, like it's like I was using alcohol as a way to um in the wrong in the wrong way, like it's like abusing it for no reason. So much people do that for no reason. Mm, no, there we are. Nah, there is there is a reason, I there suppose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fucking reason, bro. So, do, do you want to go now and just understand it a bit more? 
Yeah. We could spend like five, five, ten minutes just yeah. understanding. And for anyone listening right now, this will be an example of how some surface layer manifestation in the form of this Paul drinking last night. And, you know, he's gone a little bit deeper into it. May take him a few more days to maybe process it on his own. <laughs> Still a bit hungover now, but uh, you know he's like, you know, I, I was using it for the wrong reasons, uh, essentially to um, go and talk to this person, right? Mm. Okay, so what did drinking last night give you? <laughs> oh, here we go. Um, what did it give me? Give me a sense of probably. What did it give me? Mm. Didn't really. Well, drinking. What did it give you? Probably sense of happiness. Okay. In that moment. Yeah. So it gave you sense of happiness. Mm. What did that give you? Um, that sense of happiness it gave me. Mm, what did it give me? Mm. It's hard. Don't really. Don't even give me anything. Well. Didn't give you anything. Well, sense of what was it trying to give you? Confidence. To do what? To be able to, you know, speak to this girl. Right. If you were happy and that gave you confidence to go and speak to that girl, what would that give you? Probably make me feel good about myself. Right. Why would that make you feel good about yourself? having the confidence to go speak to this girl? I think because may, they're not maybe like really good looking girl, very attractive, you know, kind of wanted to, you know, very attractive in my, in my eyes. And it's like, oh, you know, I've never really been able to be with someone who was like that attractive. Right. Okay. So if you're, so w- what was your what was the purpose of you being able to talk to her? What did you What did you want it to lead to? Um, probably, you know, maybe a dance or a kiss or, you know, maybe go home together and stuff. Right, okay. If that happened, what would that mean about you? What would that mean to you about you? That I am, like... Worthy, I'm good enough to be able to, you know, have a, you know, be with some hot girl because I've never really had that in the past. Right. Getcha. If you are worthy to be with a hot girl, you know, you've never had it in the past. If you are worthy in that moment to be with a hot girl, what does that mean about you? That, what's it mean with me? I think it just means I am, like, I am. I am good enough. I am like mm. I am a. I am good enough. I'm. Um, I'm good enough of good things. Right. How does that feel? Being good enough. Uh, so probably an odd feeling because you know I suppose it. I've not really grown up. I've never really felt good enough in whether it be jobs or. And that's yeah, not really good enough. Kind of brings me back. It feels surreal. Right. Okay, how does all that sit with you? Confusing. <laughs> so from what I'm hearing right now, the reason why you drank last night was to make you feel happy so you felt confident so you can go and sp- 
approach someone and this attractive woman that you you uh, you could have a conversation with her and the intention behind that was to lead to some type of kiss or dance or go home together and you know connect further and the reason why you were intending on doing that is because you've never had that before never felt good enough to be able to have that so if you do have that that makes you feel good enough to be with these type of attractive women and if you're good enough to be with these type of attractive women that ultimately makes you feel like you are good enough and it's a surreal feeling when you have that because you never had it before as i said <laughs> yeah it's bad okay so for everybody listening to that uh that was a part of paul that came out and you know it is an undesirable part of Paul. You know it's hard to, you know, be honest and admit those sort of things because you know generally we're just going like oh, I just like to drink, I like the taste of it, you know, I just want to go out. You know it's it's hard. It's it is challenging and confronting to be able to admit to ourselves like okay that's the reason why I actually drank. And this is why a lot of people they get caught in that. You know it's like the next day Sunday morning they wake up and they're judging themselves like. Why the fuck am I drinking so much? It doesn't do anything positive for me at all. I feel hungover. I'm not going to train now. I'm going to have a shit fucking week. It's going to take me days to recover. It's essentially because they're not understanding what the alcohol is being used for, what that what the drinking is being used for. You know, Once you understand what it's being used for, you're like, okay, right. I see the positive intentions behind it. It's not may not be producing positive outcomes, but I see the positive intention. Okay, and then that's what's going to allow you to, you know, when you're in a situation like that, being able to navigate yourself through it differently, like connecting with yourself more, self-soothing, regulating your nervous system so that you can go and approach this woman and incur the risk of potentially getting rejected, which is what the alcohol may be numbing you from, the pain of being rejected in that moment. Because that's what, like, genuine openness, it's... You're incurring a risk. You know, when you're sedating yourself, you're taking away that risk because you have to feel it. You know, some girl rejects you and whatever, you just fucking go into another one and you grab another few drinks and it's like, and you just forget what happens. And so, yeah, that's crazy. That's a that's mad. That's mad. I suppose that's a, and I, I, that's probably a big part of me. That it's a big journey that I need to kind of you know work on as well as like understanding that better because. But like off the bat, there's probably no answer. But like, in the terms of like that last night, and you know me using alcohol a certain way, like, not that there's a there's going to be a solution to fix it. What is like, let's say in regards to that, and let's say in six months time, if if someone is like, even for me, what is the outcome to try like you know to make it in the future? So I'm not you're not I'm not using alcohol as a way to feel a certain way to talk to someone. Really good question. Uh, something that I've worked on a lot with people, uh, just in general with all forms of communication, whether it's like confronting like a boss or, you know, I'm working with someone now who's about to confront his father about something that he hasn't seen in years or, uh, you know, relationships or, you know, just general, you know, approaching people in the street, you know, there's a lot of resistance for us to do things like that. Um, the way to navigate through it first and foremost is... Firstly, to understand what is going on with you currently now. The underlying dynamics with like the resistance that you're feeling now or what you're using, what adaptations you have formed. Like alcohol is an adaptation that you form. You've you've adapted to using this substance as a way to create some, you know, physiological uh, you know, reaction in your body that eliminates some 
potentially some thoughts of like a worst case scenario, like to get out of your head so you can just be in your body and be like, hey, how's it going? All right. So it's essentially just understanding the dynamics of what's going on now. So that requires level of introspection and it can be quite challenging doing that, which is why you, know, you being guided through that makes it a lot easier. But for anyone listening, you just got to understand what you're currently doing now and why. So I've got a client now, for example, who freezes up anytime he sees attractive women. He freezes up and he judges himself for freezing up because logically in his mind is like, oh, why can't I just fucking talk to these women? Like he freezes up. He doesn't understand why he freezes up. And we've gone deeper into understanding why he freezes up. And him freezing up just means that he avoids, he doesn't speak. He's just like, hey, like just a bit like that. And essentially the reason why is because when he first entered into the world of dating and intimacy and things like that as a very young teenager, he experienced some pretty traumatic experiences where, uh, you know, he was laughed at a lot and then a lot of people found out. And so he was in fear and actually held a distrust towards women out of fear that if he was to say something wrong, well, then he would be perceived as a bad person and everyone would find out. And then his sense of safety within the community and the tribe would be threatened. So that's what causes him to freeze up and like overly overthink everything that he's going to say and then struggle to just say it. And this was completely out of the scope of his conscious awareness. He wasn't aware of it. He's just there thinking to himself like, I'm shy, I can't speak and you know, whatever, whatever labels that we attach and we identify ourselves as. Um, as we continue to experience these types of patterns. So first and foremost, you got to understand what you're currently going through now because without understanding, you're not going to be able to change anything. Without understanding, you're not going to be able to accept it when it arises. Without understanding, you're just going to continue judging yourself, criticizing yourself, condemning yourself for being harsh on yourself and that does not help. It does not help. How many times do we try and judge the fuck out of ourselves for certain behaviors that do, we do not like and it just repeats the same fucking pattern? It does not work. What, the reason why it doesn't work is because it just reinforces how we already feel in that moment. If you're there struggling to speak because you're freezing up, it, it, it means that you do not feel safe right you feel like your safety is being threatened and that can be translated into like i'm not worthy enough if you're not worthy enough well you don't feel safe so if you're judging yourself for that that reinforces it you feel more unsafe and feel more unworthy it's like we inflict this punishment on ourselves to try and change something but it doesn't work and the reason why we do it is because that's what we may have received when we were young we think that's all that we just it's just normal it's familiar to us our fucking neurochemistry is used to pumping in those stress hormones when we judge ourselves for it. It's just like become like wired in that way. Our nervous system is used to freezing up and then continuing to freeze up as we continue judging ourselves for it. It just becomes familiar. So we continue inflicting it on ourselves because it's normal. It's just who I am. And people stay in that pattern their whole lives. So firstly, you got to understand it because when you understand it, then you can accept it. If you accept it, Okay, that doesn't mean that you're just allowing it to fucking just take over your whole life. It's like, I accept you. What it means in that moment is you're going to be able to accept it so that part of you feels safe. And that safety is what's going to then allow the next step, which is connecting, rationalizing it, self-soothing, you know, regula essentially regulating the nervous system. 
when you accept that part of you who doesn't feel safe instead of judging the fuck out of them, that's when they're going to feel more comfortable to actually express to you what is going on with them, how they're feeling about the situation. So in the context of drinking, if you're there and you're noticing yourself feeling like, you know, being pulled to have this drink for whatever reason it may be, it's understanding why you do. First and foremost, understanding why. So that part of you doesn't feel judged. Okay, now, um, when you understand it, that's when you can start to break down all the dynamics of it. Like, I've had a client who was drinking because she didn't want to get judged for not drinking by her peers around her. If she was going to be judged for not having it, because everyone would be like, why aren't you drinking? Because when she would receive that, she'd feel like there's something wrong with her and like, oh, fuck. And then feel overly responsible to control their emotions by just having a drink to make them feel better. Okay, and, and that linked back to certain experiences she had in high school because she didn't feel accepted in her peer groups back then. So it can be linked back to any, honestly, it can be linked back to anything. So you just got to understand why you're currently drinking now. Otherwise, it's just very confusing and you just be in these like, you know, oh, no, dry July, I'm not going to drink now. And, you know, that's, I'm going to have a few weeks off. And then you just repeat the same fucking pattern over and over again. So you got to understand what's going on there and essentially be able to, like, practice the tools and the skills so that you can navigate yourself through your insecurity to be able to go and socialize and be open and genuine without the need of an external substance and that takes fucking practice that takes work it takes work to be to to build that to build those skills to develop that part of your personality because right now alcohol has just become a toxic external substance to make us feel more comfortable in social situations so that we don't have to incur the risk of genuine openness. That's exactly what it is. And it look, it's okay if it's serving you, okay? Because the same way that you go and have a burger and at least some huge dopamine response because there's a high amount of fucking fat and, you know, sugar in the in the meal, that's okay too if it's serving you. But if it's if it's to the point where you're becoming dependent on it, or it look, and you got to be honest with yourself about this, because a lot of people will say shit like, "Oh, I don't drink too much." Look, if you can just fucking be honest with yourself for a moment and be like, "Is the amount of alcohol that I'm currently consuming now congruent with what the life that I want to live for myself in my highest values?" Yes or fucking no. If not, okay, start understanding why you're drinking excessively than you'd like to right now. And it's hard to have that conversation with ourselves because we get so used to comparing ourselves to others. Well, but everybody else drinks and it makes me feel more comfortable because everybody else does it. And that's why we stay in these social groups because it makes us feel better about our, quite frankly, our addictions because we don't have to face the fact that they are addictions. And that goes for anything, any type of addiction. Can be, it can be literally anything. We, we spend time with people that make us feel more comfortable about it. And that's why when people around us or for you, for example, when you try and actually start changing that, you're going to be more likely to be judged for it. Or people will say, why aren't you drinking? And stuff like that. Because it makes them feel uncomfortable for you know why they're doing it. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. And it's supposed to me like I'm not a... Like I'm not a huge, huge like drinker. To be fair, like and I keep on saying not that there's a reason for it, but yeah, I do. I, I, it was good that that happened last night because you know it's good to bring up that. But I think you you did mention like uh, dry July, and that's a that's a it's a very taboo topic because you know everyone I don't know what your views are, but it's, it's crazy. Like people will say, oh, you know, I 
when we look at like let's say alcohol you know you shouldn't need a reason like you shouldn't need a certain month to say oh i shouldn't be drinking like for four weeks because like everything if you like if you like drinking it serves you good you shouldn't have to like go a month without drinking but i think but for me like if if you're if you say i'm doing dry july like that's a good indication that you know you know yourself alcohol isn't shouldn't it's not shouldn't but it's not serving you very well because like you shouldn't have to be you shouldn't have to be right i'm doing dry july i can't drink because then like you're depriving yourself of something so i guess what your what your view is like that you know dry july and you know to, for me it's like you know when someone says oh it's dry july and I, I, I shouldn't be drinking for four weeks to me like there's probably a deeper issue in that context like well if you feel you need a certain month to give up alcohol and you need to ask yourself then is it really serving you on a day-to-day basis right i get you uh, so I think like with people that are drinking excessively, there's still going to be deeper issues regardless of they're the ones that are doing dry July or not. So in, you know, seeing the dry July as from a more of a level of optimism and something, you know, that can serve people, it can be a, a time where people can essentially put themselves in social interactions and have to practice socializing without it. So that is what's beneficial about it. You know, it's like... um. It's like all of a sudden, you know, you've because essentially the alcohol is being used as, as like a form of su- of a supplement for socializing. So it's like it's kind of like you know you you get like someone who's been taking all these performance enhancing, uh, you know, drugs or something like that, and you get them off that for like a month, and they have to train without it, and essentially understand the reality of what it's like training naturally. And and that can be positive, right? Or it can just like feed into them continuing the same loop every year again and again because it's like oh, i went a whole month without drinking alcohol time to fucking pour it all in i deserve it i've been really good and that's like that binging and restricting type cycle that we see with a lot of um addictive traits and 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 loops so there, there is positives behind it there's there can be negatives behind it but ultimately um i think it can be beneficial for people to essentially just get a sense of what it's like to go out and socialize and do things without needing to drink just to open and that may actually create a big shift in some people some people might be like fuck like i actually do not need this at all and and you know that that may cause them to come to some logical conclusions about it which doesn't mean it's the the behavior is going to be obliterated forever but it may link into them eventually going deeper and deeper into it because upon that realization they'll be like i actually don't need this and i feel better without it like these logical realizations but then you know after they may continue to drink but then each time they get into these like judgmental patterns behind like why the fuck am i drinking but then that eventually you know it becomes quite unbearable you know feeling all that shame around it and you know shame is okay it's a normal human emotion that we feel as well and yeah it's uncomfortable but you know it can cause us to go deeper into things and understand them a bit more like you know people being ashamed of certain things has led them to coming and talking to me so it can be an you know, emotion that drives people to change certain things about their life and i'm sure the same thing may happen with you in the context of like bodies and you know people's physical appearance and physical health and you know their relationship with food or the fact that they haven't exercised in a while like a lot of people will carry a lot of shame around that and that's okay it can be an emotion that drives you to create some type of change 
and you know it's actually funny i was talking to an uber driver recently he's a guy from uh, sudan and um he was telling me about uh because every time I'm, i meet people from different cultures i'm always very fascinated just to learn more about them and you know i've done a lot of traveling around the world especially around africa and i'm very fascinated around you know different beliefs that we carry and he was essentially saying the difference between the sudanese in sydney compared to the sudanese in melbourne because i'm lebanese background and lebanese in sydney tend to have a you know a bit of a negative um uh, stereotype uh, attached to them being like drug dealers gangsters troublemakers and things like that so i, I was found i was quite able to relate to him because the sudanese have that relation that that uh, stereotype in Melbourne, you know, gangs, you know, robbing and things like that. And he essentially told me from his perspective, obviously, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, but he said that there's a culture in Sudan, like different tribes. So, all, you know, all countries, they have like different tribes and different groups. And, you know, even in Ireland, I'm sure there's like different fucking accents that you find in different areas. And, you know, we're fucking from this area. Good day there, lad, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. But he's essentially saying that there's a certain tribe within that region that uh, it's culturally like acceptable for them to steal. Mm. There's no shame around it. They don't feel shame for stealing because they're taught to steal, that it's okay to steal because they grew up in these nomadic type tribes where stealing other tribes or people's cattle and, and, and animals and stuff like that, it's been going on for fucking hundreds or you know thousands of years. And it's just a normal thing. And it's essentially, it, it appears that it's probably been something that they've formed to adapt to to be able to survive through those harsh environments. And the ones who stole more, probably the ones that had more abundance and you know were able to live and carry on their genes and therefore spread those types of personalities amongst their children and pass it down. So you've essentially got all these, you know, kids now that are growing up in, you know, completely different culture now and they they are a lot of them are, could could be quite conflicted and confused but there could still be a lot of that old subconscious programming there that's driving a lot of these youth to go out and steal and pickpocket and rob people and things like that and not feel shame around it. So basically the point that I'm attempting to make here is shame can be good just like all emotions can be and there's no such thing as bad or good emotions because you know there's a lot of things that I felt quite negative about myself with that actually drove me to create the most amount of changes in my life and I'm thankful for these negative and dark emotions thank you very much because if it was all positive and happy and dandy and flowers and rainbows I wouldn't be the person who I am today <clears throat> but essentially so upon the realization that people can gain from dry July it's like I don't need this anymore I can you know function without it you know, they may still be in the subconscious patterns because of the familiarity of it and how autopilot it is after the dry July where they're continuing to drink, but there may be more shame around it. Mm. And that shame may cause them to introspect it deeper. To Introspection is essentially just means like you're going deeper to analyze and understand thoughts and emotions. So there's some negative emotions there to understand those emotions. And that may lead to people getting, you know, more help around it or really coming to a conclusion decision like, you know, I really want to, you know, get to the root of this and get to the core of this and, and start doing that hard yakka, that fucking hard work in there and, you know, getting in the shadow and, you know, fucking navigating myself through these undesirable parts of me and understanding that so I can really develop myself and upgrade who I am. And if you have, if, if you have someone then goes through that and they say someone do a dry but then they realize that you know that they're, they're they feel that their life's been miserable with alcohol and they feel like that they really need alcohol in their life like on the weekends or they need to really need it what's the kind of how would you look at that let's say if some i do dry july 
but then I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself I'm miserable, I need, I can't, my social life is shit, I can't have a good time, I can't enjoy life, and I need alcohol, and then, you know, I get back on drinking in a month's time, if that was a, a case for me, what, like, is, obviously, there's a, is there a, a deeper issue down the line of why I feel I need to have this in my life, and I feel that, you know, this is a part of me? I think so too. I mean, everything you just said there, like, I need to have it, this is a part of me, I'm miserable without it, like, these are all... Uh, surface layer beliefs that are uh, being expressed out and this is why you know communication is so powerful is because your subconscious mind will produce these you know shorter versions of the deeper underlying dynamics like these bigger stories and narratives that are deeper within so if you were to say something like i need it well then okay that's like information there that you can go deeper into and find out what is it about it that you need okay and then it can be like well you know, and you know, you essentially go deeper and find it. And for for you, you could attach that to your personality. And if you're someone that did it regularly, well, then there could be a sense of need that you attach to your identity that is revolved around needing it to feel confident, confident to go and approach girls that you so that you can gain that sense of worthiness and feel good enough in your life. And that's a way, an adaptation that you form as a way to gain that sense of worthiness and that sense that I am good enough. That's why you need it because we all want to feel good enough. That is a basic human need to feel safe, worthy, good enough. It's a basic human need. So the road that you have taken in order to achieve that need is drink the alcohol, go speak to the women, validate that sense that I am worthy because she was really hot. That's, and, and we can do that with anything, anything we can meet our basic human needs. So w- when you understand how you're currently, how your current your your brain is currently attempting to meet your basic human needs, and you believe that you can change it, that's another thing that you got to work on. There's going to be you know, plenty of skepticism and doubt, like oh, I can't change. It's just who I am, you know. If, for you, I'm sure there's a lot of cultural conditioning behind that. Like, you know, we're Irish, we just drink. Like, you know, what a fucking thing to attach to a collective identity. You know what I mean? Mm. Just just to essentially become under-responsible for, for why you need to change it, right? Because it's like, oh, this is just who I am. You know, it's the same thing with me and uh, with my cultural identity. We, You know, a lot of people... You know, there's, there's always drama in the Middle East. You know, there's always war in the Middle East. You know, so it's just like essentially become you know saying that statement becomes an under-responsible way to just accept that it's there, so that you know we don't have to put in the hard work to attempt to change it and 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 navigate through those challenging conversations and you know the 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 judgment and the the um the grudges and the resentment that's there you know the borders this and that and is this person's fault that person's fault it all started from the colonial years and you know thousands of years ago and it's you know it's just it just keeps fucking going and going and going and prevents us from going within ourselves to like getting to the root and the origin of where this uh, this pain comes from fuck it's mad that's a and as far as just kind of like for me, as far as like my mum, like she always drank, like she drank quite often, like she probably abused it, like she drank alcohol in the way to feel better. Then my granny, then you know, would always like she didn't like alcohol, never drunk. She had a different view. So for me, growing up was like I seen my mum, you know, use alcohol as a way to feel better. Like she just drank because she just hate she she didn't like her life and she was using it to just feel a certain way. And then I had my granny, then you know always telling me how alcohol is bad and you shouldn't be drinking so for me like it's i've grown up like all my life with I, my dad that didn't drink he was a pioneer um but 
you know, my mum always every weekend like she just drink because that's you know she just felt so bad in her own skin. She was, you know, depressed. All them areas like her and she used alcohol as a way to for her to you know just feel some sort of light in her life. Then that then I had my granny like you know she would you know not like alcohol. So for me it's probably you could alcohol is probably and again it's not again when I say that I don't drink often I don't very drink I don't drink rarely but you know since I've done a lot of work with you like I've you know probably only drink a handful of times um but for me it's probably just understanding like why you know last night I had a few beers with a friend that was fine but then it's probably trying to understand then you know that deeper cause of well why I just needed to have double vodkas as get as piss as soon as I can in order to, to you know to do a certain way I, I could have been I could have had my six beers and then just go boogie way and dance and had a had a, a good and I had a great night but I'm saying it's like I could I, I went from one context to another so maybe there's a link in you know, my past they obviously it's about being good enough but maybe there's a link between you know seeing my mum drink you know heavily and then seeing my granny you know say that it was bad and it's you know it's not good and that kind of stuff yeah I hear you. And, and, you know, just going back to what you were saying before about the, you know, meeting your basic human need in the form of what you were doing when you were going out and drinking, like, you know, so drinking was to make you feel happy, so you felt confident, so you can go and speak to this woman that felt attractive. And you mentioned something before because you've never had it before, mm. right? So that's going to go into some belief from your past. Your past self is there going, fuck, I've never had this before, but... You know, but it's it's almost conflicted with it because he doesn't feel like he's worthy of it either. He's not good enough for it. That's why he needs to feel confident first. And the alcohol is, you know, it's a sedative and it's great at, you know, blocking out, you know, all these thoughts that we have that get in our head and we're like, you're not fucking good enough. You know, you just don't hear it anymore. You're just there and you're like, eh. so, you know, and where does that original belief of you not feeling good enough come from? Well, it's probably going to link somewhere when you're a little fucking toddler or a few years old or something. And I know from the work that we did together, it was, you know, from, uh, you know, you feeling really lonely when you were young. Mm. Really lonely and you were, you know, you were hanging, you lived, you grew up on like a farm, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you were really lonely out in these barns and just fucking by yourself and, you know, you felt disconnected from um, your father. Was that right? Mm. At the time, you know, I can relate to that too because being, you know, your parents are like the most important people in your life at that time and when they're not there, like for a, and your basic human needs aren't being met the way that you needed them to be met at that time in the form of the physical touch and the words from these people that you, you like are your world, well, then that is only going to mean one thing to you when you're that age, and that is I'm not good enough to receive it, right? If I was good enough to receive it, I'd be receiving it right now. But I'm not hearing it. I'm not hearing the love. I'm not feeling the love. I'm not seeing the love. The way, the way that I need it right now to give me that sense that I am safe and I am worthy and I am part of a tribe and I am connected, which is a huge part of our human evolution was creating and establishing those bonds with our tribe, especially when new kids will come into the tribe. There'd be, a, you know, we grew up in these these bands of like 200 people and these tribes and everyone was, you know, that's a generalization, but we were all somewhat very closely connected with each other. Why? Because our... Um, safety depended on it the more connected that we were as a tribe the greater our chances of survival the greater the cooperation the greater the communication 
the greater the level of like I've got your back and then if I've got your back you got my back and we can all help each other navigate through this fucking treacherous environment that we're in right now with these fucking lions and saber-toothed tigers and we've got a hunt and you know you might get fucking cold one time as a blizzard comes in a fucking ice age whatever like we had to be closely connected together and when you're a young kid you got to fucking learn straight away ASAP that you are a part of us you are connected to this tribe because you are vulnerable as fuck vulnerable look how vulnerable you are as a kid can't do shit can't defend yourself from nothing you don't know fucking what the hell's going on you're like oh where the fuck am i you just enter in this world out of the cosmic portal of your mother's vagina going okay i'm here okay that's that's color red that's a snake and he'll bite me he'll poison me you know, I can eat this, but I can't eat that. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you're just fucking putting everything in your mouth. You don't know what's going on because essentially your tribe had to teach you everything, right? And a big part of what they taught you as well, that you are loved, you are worthy, and you are connected with us. So as a kid, it's natural that we want that. So if we're not receiving that, well, then it only means one thing to us, and that is that we're not good enough and not worthy. And the reason why that we tell ourselves that is we make ourselves stressed because the stress response is there as a way to navigate through a life-threatening situation. And being lonely is life-threatening. Because if you're alone, well, then your chances of survival drops down. So be stressed, be hypervigilant, be there to attempt to meet these basic human needs in a way that you can. Because I'm like, I just need to feel love, man. Otherwise, I'm going to be lonely and I'm going to die and some big eagle's going to come and swoop me and take me away. Jeez, that's a, that's a good way of putting it, in fairness. I think like um I didn't even look at like um weight loss and fat. It's one thing that you know I'm getting not big on, but everything when we look at like the fitness industry now, it's all based on you know calorie deficits. It, it, it's science, like you know calorie deficit, all the rest. But and this is probably had a shot, chat with Sean too. It's probably the same as like you know you know psychotherapists and all that kind of stuff. Is that you know when you go to like a psychotherapist or something, then people like you know to have a they kind of have a, you know, have a blueprint of, like, questions to ask you, kind of, a, you know, all the scientific evidence of this, that, and the other. When we look at weight loss, fat loss, it comes down to, again, this blueprint of, you know, calories in, calories out, and that kind of stuff. But then, personally, I think, like, we need to get to a stage where, like, because everything is built on emotion. You know, like, for me, it's like, well, it's not good enough, like, say, coaches, PTs, giving someone... You know, all you need is a calorie deficit. You know, here's the training plan, Bob's your uncle. Because for me, personally, I've been overweight before. I've been a skinny kid, I've been overweight. And now I'm kind of getting to a stage where, like, I'm asking myself these questions. Well, right, I want I want to lose weight, I want to lose fat, but then I need to get deeper. It's like, you know, what? why do I want to do that? But then when I go deeper again, it's like, right, you know, I'm overweight, I'm this, that, and the other. I want to, you know, my sex life is not good. My sex drive is gone and all that kind of stuff. And for me, it's, um, you know, it's kind of getting deeper, like about, you know, the, in the emotion, because when, if I look at like weight loss and fat loss as a good example, there's always a reason behind something. And I think like that, because that's the big issue. We all want to feel good in our own skin, feel confident. And when we look at like weight loss and fat loss, I think like what, what you, the work you do, like plays a massive part in that, because, you know, someone, we all know how to lose weight, you know, let's say you you eat less and you walk more. We all know right. that, but I think it's so much deeper than that. And you've been a PT as well. You you have known this like of, of that. So like in that context, what's your views and like you know trying to find the the because that's what people's diets don't fail or, or the the diet doesn't fail. Is you more so you just fail to understand like why you feel a certain way and like mm. what's the reason behind your feeling and how can right. you kind of go forward. Okay, yeah, and this is something I worked with a client with recently. She brought forward how. Um, you know, she's making a lot of process uh, progress 
with like her, you know, her general life in general, like her happiness and her joy. She's feeling better. Like she's making so much progress because of the stuff that we've been working on. But she's found out that now like her, she's come to the realization that, you know, her physical uh, activity and her, her her food intake isn't, um, is, is what she wants to start, really start working on now. And what she notices, she's like, oh, you know, I'm just overeating on sugar and things like that. It's just too much. And, you know, I just need to cut it out. But, you know, I know I just got to just just eat a bit less and move a bit more. Like, logically, she knew all this stuff, right? So we decided to go a bit deeper into this overeating that she was uh, performing with, like, sweets and things like that at night or something like that. And essentially, we went deeper into the belief. And, you know, this is stuff that she wasn't consciously aware of before, which is why if anyone out there right now is confused, like, but I don't know why I'm, it's okay, be confused. You don't have to understand, you don't have to know what it is first for you to understand it. You got to, essentially, you got to allow yourself to be confused. Be confused because confusion is the prerequisite to knowing. So before you even think about attempting to understand the underlying dynamics, be confused about it. Be confused. It's good to be confused, Right? So she's confused, went a bit deeper into it and essentially the reason why that she was overeating is because she was rewarding herself for doing really good recently in the context of her emotional progress that she's been making because she's feeling good. We've been working on her trauma, working on all these things, she's starting to feel more good, she's more present. Oh my God, she, she kind of like she's now believing like, oh, I finally feels like I'm making this progress in my life and she felt good about that. So then she was using these, this food as a reward for that. And where she learned that from was when she was young, they would only eat these ice cream and things like that when everyone was doing really good. When everyone was doing really good, then they can eat it. <laughs> then they deserved it. And they're worthy of it. Then, then, and and it was it was only you know when they were, everyone was happy, where they could eat it. So now, if she's happy, she's got this belief that okay, eat sugary foods because I deserve to eat it now because I'm happy. So she has, had to like first of all come to that realization and see that I'm like, okay, fuck, and then be able to uh, create like a new pattern, a new tool, and this is something that you got to mentally rehearse. So that when you're in that situation again, when you're there and you know you you feel like it, you know uh, consuming that food or buying that extra block of chocolate, um, you're able to self-soothe and regulate your nervous system in that moment. And this isn't to rely on like willpower or something like that. There's multiple different factors that are all contributed to behavior change. One of them, obviously, controlling your environment. Okay, like not having so many of these foods there to begin with. You know, obviously, eating highly satiating foods to regulate your appetite, reducing the chances of you feeling like you're craving these types of foods. Everything takes, everything has a part. But, and the reason why all that other stuff is so important is because so you don't have to do this, you know, this this willpower type mentally rehearsed pattern as much. You still got to do it, but you won't have to do it as much, right? But you still got to have that there. The, uh, the deep understanding behind, behind the underlying dynamics so that when she's in these moments she's be able, she'll be able to se- uh, re- self-soothe and regulate her nervous system in that moment to bring herself back to this point of like consciousness like a greater perspective where she can be like I don't need sugar right now because I'm already happy and I'm still happy without it 
and I don't need to be rewarded for being happy because I'm still going to be happy without it. Like just coming to that realization, having it again. Mm. So in that moment, she's like, okay, fuck, like I, I don't need this right now. And this is something that she, she'll have to practice regularly, consistently. And it's sometimes she may not be successful with it, but that's mm. okay because that's part of it. That's a part of it's. It's like, it's like you know you've been uh, you know squatting a certain way your whole fucking life, and then you go to the gym, and then a personal trainer teaches you how to squat correctly, and you have this realization like, oh my god, this feels so much better. That doesn't mean that every single squat after that is going to be that exact same fucking technique where it felt better. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you know you're going to go there, it's going to feel kind of good. Sometimes it's going to feel really good. Sometimes you're going to go back into the old pattern and the old way, and that's okay. But the more you show up and practice and practice and practice, on average the new squat technique is going to take over more and more and more and more. And that's the way that our fucking brains work. And we've got to be honest and accepting with that and not expect ourselves to just go from zero to 100 straight away. Uh, it's, it's so true. And I suppose it's just about emotion. Before we wrap up though, I suppose, like, you know, as I was saying, but like, you know, you have to have like a lot of people, like even online that they try follow a script, like, you know, PTs or they try to use the safe word of all. You just need to be in deficit, but no one really has emotion behind it. And something that you've been really good with your social media is like is doing the same, like you know, the you know, having a different approach, like not following the the blue cutter, like you know, or like for me, it's like oh, you just need a deficit and this, and for me, that's science, but it's deeper than deficit. And the same with you, like you do a lot of great videos in like the self development world, like not calling out people, but you're kind of like you know, you 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 know, be kind of maybe good to explain your view of like other you know people in that area but how your approach is different you make it funny and you kind of take the taboo of like mental health in a approachable mm. way uh, yeah yeah i think there's a lot of look i think we're still learning and evolving and, and growing when it comes to you know our understanding of mental health and something i'm still within myself too um i think um there have been a lot of different um stages I guess we can call it like with mental health progression that, you know, we've started to see, uh, you know, there was like, you know, the be positive movement and, you know, like the, the spiritual persona or, you know, just, the, just, just be emotionless and just show your emotions. Like essentially all these different ways that people have uh, formed and as a way to deal with, you know, these emotions that we're, you know, as a collective, as a society, as we are, you know, just coming to really highlight and um, value more of and, and notice the importance and the significance of it uh, because of essentially the detrimental effects that we've seen within our society as a result of like increased suicide rates, depression is, you know, it's leading, it's the world leading um uh, uh, disease is depression right so uh you know with all these things we are gonna be forced to like okay we've got to fucking learn how to go through this and you know every culture has formulated something throughout the ages and a lot of them have been you know in the form of these you know metaphorical mythological ideologies as a way to essentially navigate the subconscious mind through these things that arise and i think that um as the rise of like science has taken uh has has come up as beneficial as it is, and I'm not criticizing it at all in any way, shape, or form, but it's essentially programmed a lot of us to be highly uh, logical and intellectual about everything. Mm. And in the context of emotions, you can't be log- you, you can't win and you can't win an argument against your emotions with logic and rational rationale. It doesn't work. You need to have empathy and understanding and the ability to just understand those the 
the these instincts like this intuition like you know these primal urges that we have that that are a part of our innate human uh biology and and part of our human psychology as well so i think you know a lot of these um Previous methods have adopted a lot of that highly rational, overly intellectualizing emotions, and that's something that I do uh, like to point out. Another thing as well is, um, you know, we can form all different types of personas, and one of them being like the spiritual persona, uh, one that I have been through a stage in in my own life as well. You know, I've traveled around the world, I've done mushrooms, and you know, meditate for an hour straight, and I've had these visions and I felt really fucking good. That must mean that I'm fucking just, yeah, man, I'm set, you know, and I get what it's like. And, you know, it's a stage of human uh, evolution through our own journey as well. And I'm grateful that I've been through those stages too, because now when I'm working with people that are at that stage, I'm able to relate to them and just understand them and be like, I get what it's like. You know, I get, I get a lot of people that have done a lot of work on themselves coming to me struggling. I've had psychologists come to me i've had people that have been to all these fucking retreats and yoga this and yeah and they're struggling to navigate these 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 emotions that they're going through because they've adopted this persona that makes them feel like i should know how to deal with this but i'm not mm. and then that makes them judge themselves and get it get you know get into this place where they feel stuck and and trapped in a way so you know i think that's why i take that angle as well where i'm kind of adding a bit more you know, some people call call it like a bit more authenticity to it because that way uh, it doesn't um, it doesn't promote the spiritual persona for other people that are on the journey to be formed within them because they may perceive me as someone who's got all my shit together and you must never have any negative emotions or negative thoughts and you must process shit like that. Like, I essentially want to let go of all that completely and normalize our dark side mm. that it's there it's a part of us i have a part of me that's jealous sometimes and envious and you know critical and narcissistic and you know self-inflating and you know i have that part of me as well and you know what i'm okay that it's there i'm okay that it's there because these parts of me can actually serve me at certain times because there's a certain degree of inflation of my ego that is needed for me to do shit like this to put myself on camera and be like, hey, you know, listen to me and what I have to say. If my, if my ego wasn't inflated enough in that way, in a way that serves me, well, then I could have an ego that's, I could have a part of me that takes over and be like, no, no, don't say anything. You get judged too much. And, you know, and that may put me in a stage where I'm not evolving and developing and growing into the person I want to be in the life that I want to live. I want to help people. And I know that in order for me to help people, there's a certain degree of my ego that is required for, to be there, healthily integrated as a part of me, that's okay in order for me to put myself out there and just fucking, sh you know, just speak my truth. Mm. And that's okay. Just being relatable, isn't it? Having, just about being, having that emotion and getting behind it. Because I think that's, that's what people lack is just that emotion and be able to, you know, push on forward. But, that was a great podcast, like nearly, geez, about two hours there. Yeah, um, I think it was about yeah, an hour and 45 minutes. It's amazing. I suppose before you go, Charles, and it'd be mm. good to people where they can find you, what you're doing next and what's happening. Beautiful, bro. First of all, I just want to say thanks, Paul, for having me on the podcast, bro. Um, I love uh, having podcasts with my clients, mm. talking deep about them. I just feel like, you know, we can always just go a bit deeper because... 
you know, we understand you know all this stuff. We just get it. Like, oh yeah, I know. You got, you, I know you know you got a dark side. I know I've got one too. You know what I mean? Um, so just want to say thanks for having me on your podcast and uh, for everyone listening. Thanks for listening and tuning in. Uh, best place for anyone to find me is uh, Instagram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook, and that's just under my name, Charles Missy. My last name is M Y S S Y. That's how you spell. Some things that's coming up for me, uh, I am hosting uh, a lot of online workshops at the moment, um, hosting inner child workshops, communication workshops, workshops on masculine feminine energy. Uh, these workshops are great, like short little crash courses that people can go to get a deeper, slightly deeper overview of this type of work and also to learn practical tools for them to be able to do it on themselves. And I'm also developing my own course that is uh, part of my online program. I've got an online program where I facilitate this type of work. You know, we hold space four times a week where we all come together with my community. And uh, we do shadow work and inner child work together. And uh, there's multiple different coaches there to provide extra support with people. Everyone's very understanding. And it's a beautiful community. It's something that has been a great part of my own journey. And, you know, stepping into more of a leader type role and guiding more people on their journey. It's just beautiful. Like just giving back what I've been learning with myself. And people that really relate to this type of stuff too, that they may not really relate to the... um, you know, the ultra spiritual type of stuff or, you know, the the, the perfect personified uh, teachers or, you know, the clinical settings or, you know, the highly logical, you know, um, overly um, intellectual types of formats. It's really a safe space for people to come together and go deep and explore themselves and not feel judged and and uh, be able to create the life that they want for themselves and, you know, develop their personalities, upgrade their mindsets and heal their trauma, let go of emotions to improve every area of their life. So that's called Tribar and I'm doing that now. And um, yeah, so I, I invite people just to connect with me on social media. If anyone has any questions, feel free to send me a DM or a message or an email. And um, anyone who's interested in doing this type of work as well, my spots are open for that. I have a few spots open left for one-on-one uh, work, just as uh, what Paul does with me. And uh, we have spots available for the uh, group program as well. Absolutely amazing. That was fantastic. And hopefully you will um, get this out soon and go from there. Fuck yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Adios. Paul. <laughs>